Mine. Written, directed and sound designed by Charlotte Ive. Performed by Holly Barber. As the steam from the train shifts and drifts into the too blue sky, the solid edges of Lucas Station form and become clear to me. The sun is high. The glare bounces off the fresh white paint as it coats the picket-hanged awning meant to keep the rain at bay. Far off I hear the gull's guttural squall, announcing the presence of the Tay, not ten miles away. The bite of the salty river air snaps on the wind. The Tay. The house that is to be my home rests on its banks. I must make my way there, against the glare of the now sinking sun. I could have found another way, arranged a ride or taken a long and expensive carriage from Edinburgh. But this is all my own, mine and no one else's. I want no part of this journey to rest in the hands of others. I've never had that, something of my own. I will not relinquish it now just because the sun is sinking in the sky. This is mine. I cannot believe I am here, stood at the beginning of a path that leads to my house, my land, my freedom. Only just mine. It was my husband's. I say husband. I mean man that I had to marry. Man that I didn't know. Man that I had to marry because they caught me with her. I wonder if she'll come. If I sent. We've not spoken since before the war. I have no idea what her life has been since then. What mine has been is something else. Something I did not own and do not know if I can lay claim to. Bundled away, the bedsheets barely cold, but the shame burning hot on the faces of those I once called home. Disowned. A marriage quickly arranged, a war looming. This man, this boy who was supposed to be mine as I was supposed to be his, dressed up in an ill-fitting uniform and pushed towards a train, to then be pushed towards a front, and then towards mud, and then towards guns. And then to be pushed over the top. Whistle in his ears, and then, finally, to be pushed towards an end. This war, this great war, they call it. Nothing great about it now. But that was two years ago. Two years of wearing black crepe morning garb. Two years of his family and mine passing hours in front of the tick-tock of the old grandfather clock, waiting in its echo for time to begin again. But fate was not done with us yet. It came creeping in with a cough and a sneeze and a rattle in a chest. Spanish, they said. Flu. But we're in Scotland and it came for us all the same. Where you're from means nothing when death has you on his list. So now there's just me and this house. This house that is now mine because everyone else is dead. The women in Edinburgh call forth in their nightly seances, shrill voices shrieking to those they loved, desperate for one last word, one last sign. But all the table tapping, all the veils, all the speaking in tongues and voices from beyond the grave, there's no one coming back to them. The mud is too thick. They are just noise, just pain, sinking into the slurry like bodies of their brethren. Gone. And I am alone for the first time. This house, boarded up, left with no one to care for it. It's all mine. I should have waited for the staff to take the dust sheets off, to stoke the fires, 
to bring it to life again. But I could not. First train from Edinburgh and I had booked my ticket on it, packed my case and now, now I find myself wending this rutted path. The leaves about me are red, nearing their time to fall. The afternoon is shifting into night. The dark creeping across the skies I trudge on. An owl calls and it spurs the other birds to leave the sanctuary of their nests and break forth into the sky. Dark wings beating, deep caws calling, gloom looming and filling the corner's edge. A crow stands in the middle of my path. Its glassy eyes survey me before it squawks and takes flight. The deep green hedges that bank me in grow closer and the sky grows darker. A shiver whispers at my neck, like a breath, like a voice. It is mine. It is only the wind rustling through the russet leaves. It is mine. I am mistaken. I shake the sense of a presence at my arm and pick up my pace to a march. It is mine. It is mine. It is mine. The echo of the words match the beat of my feet and I must remind myself it is nothing. Nothing. It cannot be anything. I am alone. Just me. Just how I chose to be. As I was told, a gate appears in the green. Beyond it, a lane passes into darkness and at its end, I think I see a shape of a house. Gaping black windows looming like eyes tower in the middle pointing an accusation to the sky. This is where I must go. I fumble for the set of keys. They rattle like I am a jailer, but it is only my freedom at stake, I think. A spider's web glistens in the shifting moonlight and as I feel for the lock, it catches my arm. As I turn the key in the lock, the noise surprises yet more birds behind me and caws and wings beating make a chorus of welcome. The ancient hinges of the solid wood door have been left unattended too long and they scream their indignation as I push its heavy weight open. Darkness pools before me, but I have come prepared. I drop the large carpet bag from my clutch. I fumble in my purse, fingers locking around the box of matches hidden at its bottom. There to my fingers find the shape of the waxy candles I knew I would need, clanking against each other. I pull one to me and ready it in the crook of my elbow, whilst in the other I clasp the matchbook in one hand and pull and strike one of its number with the other. As it sparks, I swiftly kick the wooden door closed behind me, keeping the hungry wind at bay. As the tiny flame flickers then flares, I briefly see the hallway stretching away. Shadows are everywhere. My breath catches at their depth. I quickly bring the flame to the wick of the candle, kissing its tallow into life. As it splutters, then steadies itself, I allow myself to take the hallway in better. It is long. I can see more heavy wood doors sit at its sides, and a pale stairway sits halfway down, curling upwards to I don't know where. Beyond the stairs, darkness creeps in once more, and I will not know its depths until I move into it. A glimmer of glass catches my eye, and I spy an old storm lantern waiting on the wall. I unhook it, clumsily unscrew the glass casing, and secure my candle inside. When I return the glass, the candle's flame fills it, and I am granted a little, only a little, more light. The house is old. 
From its depths I hear the creaking of ancient wood and rustling mice. I think of the whisper I heard outside and wonder if I feel its echo here. It is mine. Nothing more than a whisper, but my breath catches. There is nothing for it. I must explore, find more lamps, find the scullery, find the hearth, set fire, shed light and call some warmth back into these walls. The end of the corridor looms and the unknown stretching away upstairs seems to crackle with what might lie beyond, but I must steel myself and move forward. The kitchen is all old, cold stone floors and whitewashed brick walls. I found some more lamps and candle holders and set them to work, gathered on the rough wooden table that sits in the middle of the room. The shadows dance with the light on the walls, making great swaying shapes that I think want to tell me something. But I refuse to listen. I set to work. First, I fill the scuttle with what dry wood and kindling I can find in the coal store. I move from room to room, back to kitchen and then next room, bringing my lamps and fodder for each fireplace I can find. The house grows smaller as I understand what leads where. But it is old. There is always behind me a draught, a cold air tickling me by my neck and my breath catches time and again. It feels like a whisper, presence almost, like I am being followed from room to room. If I didn't know I was alone, I would think the low cry of the kindling as it catches the flame was a person. Each time the fire takes hold, it is there. No, not there, I realise the more I listen. Somewhere, somewhere else in the house or just outside the window, a far-off cry. My eyes meet the dark glass panes keeping the outside at bay. I think I see nothing there, but then something shifts and it takes moments of my heart hammering in my chest before I realise it is just the branches of the trees. As I move up through the house, I think the tops of these must have grown towards the windows. I can hear them scratching against their surface. I find a room with a huge wooden bed. The blankets and quilts turned down as if left ready for the next guest. It is a good size, but small enough to be filled by the heat of its hearth, so I choose it as the place I will rest this night. I bring more kindling. My footsteps on the checked tile floor echo along the corridor. Even here, in the middle of the house, away from the windows and the doors, the chill breeze finds me. Once the fire has taken, I allow myself to sit and sink on the bed. I am mad. I say out loud to myself, finally finding time to reflect on this endeavour. My voice sounds strange all alone in this house. Yes. It is a whisper from the trees outside. Is it? It must be. There is only me here. My heart catches stopping its regular beat, then returning, hammering, pounding my blood through my body. I am alone here. The house was all locked up. Anyone who ever had a claim to it has died. I am alone here, I say out loud, making it as real as I can. The voices on the wind are playing tricks on me. They tease at the corners of my mind. The creaks coming from upstairs are only old wood. I know this, but I do not think sleep will come to me until I have seen for myself. I take the narrow winding servant stairs carefully. They turn on themselves again and again, and the light from my lamp only reaches a little way ahead of me, clearing what shadows it can as we go. 
The creaking comes again, louder now. I can feel it lying behind the door at the top of the stairs. The wind has picked up and the whispers have become whistles and then ghostly shrieks as they sweep across the tay outside and rattle the windows. I place my hand on the old metal hoop of the door handle. It is freezing to my touch and I pull away sharply. A howl comes from outside and I clasp the handle, desperate not to fall back down the stairs. I hear my blood beating in my ears. I breathe deeply and turn the stiff old handle until it gives and the door begrudgingly allows me to open it. Almost as soon as I am through, I am knocked against the wall. In the corner, I see a narrow window swinging on its hinges, and as the pain in my back sharply takes hold, I realise it is the force of the wind, funnelled through this little opening and beating its way around the room. I push myself forward, stumble towards it and shove the window closed. As the latch locks in and the noise dies down, I turn, trembling still, to take in the room. It was just the wind. There are corners and shadows here, but the room is spare. The evidence is everywhere of night after night, of the wind's claws racking the room, items knocked on the floor, blankets ruffled and in disarray. But as I sweep my lantern light about its walls and under its eaves, I see once again, I am alone. I retreat down the snaking servant stairs and return to my room. The sounds that stalk about the house seem softer now I know what they are, no longer here to haunt me. The warmth of the fire has claimed more ground and I decide I should rest, explore the house anew in the light of day, with a fresh mind and less shadows. My body begins to feel the weight of my day, with how far I am tonight from where I started this morning. My eyes are heavy by the time I make it to the bed. I realise how exhausted I am and as I lay down, I feel my limbs weighed with a weariness that goes to my bones. There still is a scratching at the window, but I know now it is the trees. The creaks and groans still wander at the edges of my consciousness, but I am powerless to resist the sleep that is taking me, and I slip into my dreams. They cannot have been quiet, though they were jumbled. Wrapped tightly in the quilt, my eyes still closed. I twist and turn my way back to waking as I feel a chill spread through me. The scratching is still there, gnawing at the edges of my mind, I contort myself away from it, but whispers creep into my ears and a smell of burning, no, not burning, burnt, scrapes at my nostrils and I struggle even more against my sleep. A voice in my head saying fire. It must be the fire, it must have escaped the hearth, I think. Still in my sleep, it must be racking its way across the room, sharp, hot fingers crawling towards the bed. It will consume me. It will eat through the wood of the frame, spread through the down, and before I know it, its flames will be licking at my limbs. My feet prickle. They are hot with its hunger. I must get them away, but the flames come still further now, claiming my legs, reaching further. I feel like they are a person of their own, digging into my flesh. They are coming from my neck. They are closing around it. I try wrench myself away, but I am trapped. They have me, squeezing the breath out of me. I try to grasp. I try to twist. I try to scream. The sound of it rings out, and I realise I am sat up now. My eyes fully open, howl pouring out my mouth. Finally, it stops. I am empty. I sit, open-mouthed, wide-eyed, frozen in the moment after everything has gone quiet. I am cold again. And then I hear the rustle, the movement. Slowly, I begin to raise my eyes. 
There is someone there. A shape. There is a, a dark shape in the corner of my room. I do not want to look further, but I must. I raise my eyes more. I can make out the dark outline of a dress against the shadows. Without choosing to, my eyes travel further still. Cold creeps down my back and my heart thumps against my chest. It is a woman. I think it is a woman. I cannot make out all her edges, but she is looming from the gloom. Is she getting nearer? Her eyes. Finally, I see her eyes. Just a glint. I know not what from, as there is now no light in the room. As I meet them, I feel cold. Not even cold. An icicle piercing my chest. She's getting nearer. I can hear her. Is it her skirt as she somehow shifts towards me? No, I can see a mouth now. Anger. Pain tearing at its sides, but still with words escaping it. She is getting nearer. I try to scramble up the bed, but I cannot move. It is as if I'm bound, my arms strapped to my side, my legs pushed down and tied together. The smell of smoke is everywhere now. I feel like I might choke. She is at the foot of the bed. My heart feels like it will explode from my chest. Her hand is reaching out. The cold cuts through me. The burnt, acrid smell makes my throat go small. I cannot breathe. And finally, with a rush, all her darkness throws itself towards me, in me, through me. For a moment, all I see is fire. I am screaming. I am burning. I am choking. I am choking. I am... I awake with a start the next morning. Soft autumn sun streams through the window, dappled by the now still branches of the russet-leafed trees. I shiver. My skin is clammy and cold, and the sheets I lie on are still damp with the sweat I must have made as I slept. But I am not afraid. The images that dance through my dreams shift and swim into place. My early morning mind rifles through them, Make sense of them. I know what it is I must do. The wood of the floor of my room is hard, cold, but I need its space to do what I have to do. I have lit the fire again but kept it gentle and low. I do not want to scare her. In front of me is spread a large sheet of writing paper I hunted down from the study I found next to the entrance hall when I explored the rooms of my new home better this morning. My home? Our home, I hope. On it, I have written out words, composed as I walked earlier, plotting my plan as I journeyed to find out the things I suspected. Dundee is a few hours' walk, along the side of the fast-flowing river and across the Tay Bridge. The old parish records were dense and the gentle librarian perplexed that I wanted to go back so far. But box after box, she lugged to me and I spent my afternoon squinting at the now faint ink on musty old pages that no one has looked at for years. And there I found her. Elizabeth Clough. Occupation unknown. Class unknown. Executed for witchcraft in 1662. I found other names too. Jonet Anand, 
Alison Pearson, Agnes Brune, Griselle Thompson, Marie Mitchells, Elspeth Gilchrist, Helen Young, and on and on and on. Too many names. But I had found her, Elizabeth. I searched more. A flimsy piece of parchment was stained with the name of her accuser on what passed for a court record. James Adamson. That name, Adamson. I read it and knew what had been done. My husband, his family, their name, Adamson. This house was built on her lands, Elizabeth's. A finger had been pointed. A seed had been sowed. A woman had been killed and the land had been bought by him. James Adamson. So here I am sat now, Elizabeth. Not a witch. Just a woman who had something someone else wanted and no power to keep it from him. I will call her. I never took part in the seances that swept this country like a fever. Never thought the dead would have anything to say to me. But Elizabeth did, and I know now I must listen. The words are written in front of me. I have no guide, do not know if it is right, but the feeling she left me with as she passed through me last night tells me she will come. This land was hers, but it is not in my power to give it back or undo the hurt that was done to her. All I can do is share it, just like her story. I can call her to me and hear her words and I can write those down. I strike a match. I bring it to the candle and let it kiss the wick into life. I take a deep breath and close my eyes. I call out her name and I wait. Wait.